Well, as, as, as I've announced for the last couple of weeks, we, we are, uh, we finished this book of, of Romans after a couple of years in the book of Romans, and we've had about three weeks now to, to cover specifically a, a topic that I think is um, helpful to all of us and will prove to be an incredible blessing to our church, and that is uh, a short series on how should we pray for our church. And uh, we were at the third and last part in that study this morning. And after this, we'll enter into to, to Palm Sunday and, and our, our Easter week. And then following that, we'll begin the, the Gospel of John and start a, a new series of the Gospel of John, which I think will just stir in our hearts incredible praise towards our Lord and, and minister to us. This morning, I, I want to focus on a specific area of, of how of how we should pray for our church. Um, we, we, we've talked about how, apart from Him, we can do nothing. Um, we, we, we are a people who are are so dependent. Our, our natural inclination is always going to be to go um, away from Him, towards our flesh, towards the things of of, of the world. And yet, the Holy Spirit is within us, and He is our helper, and He is our comforter, and he is our encourager, and he is our Lord, and he is our God. And, and for us, it is absolutely essential to, to be a people who pray for our church, for one another, for ourselves. We need to be people who pray. When we pray, we reveal our total and complete dependence upon him. And so, this morning... I want to focus on praying for our own personal holiness as well as the holiness within us as a church body. The text before us is 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 22 through 24. And here in 1 Thessalonians, it begins here in in verse 22 of chapter 5. Abstain from every form of evil. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. We we, we come to a text this morning that is just powerful. A calling upon us as God's people to abstain from every form of evil. To abstain from it, to run from it, to do everything we can to keep ourselves from evil. It is possible for for all manners of sin to enter into our hearts and to enter into our church. I spoke with someone yesterday that was talking about this church that they were involved with for years and years and years and how they no longer are there because there was this church split that took place. And and she said, I don't even remember why it took place anymore. I just knew that many of our friends went someplace else and others went someplace else. And, And I think of that church and just all that has taken place, I know the church, all that has taken place since that time and you look and you think, what evil took place that was not repented of? Something that took place within that church that, 
that started in someone's heart, bitterness, jealousy, um, just contentious spirit that led to division that multiplied and like a little leaven leavens the whole lump and just continued. And to be at a place as a congregation where we look and say, God calls us to abstain from every form of evil. Not just the big ones, but, but every form of evil. I look in, in over the years as, as a pastor who counsels and ministers to people, I see this, but I would venture to say that all of us see this, is that you, you see people fall into sin, and it always starts with something typically very small. It starts with, with something where it's just, well, I just need this, or I'm not going to be the first one to say sorry, or coming to a, a, a place of, of, well, it's not that bad, to where it's a slippery slope to you where you find all kinds of evil taking place. Um, you'll find it in pastors where it starts with pride or it starts with, with thinking that we're above something and we're able to do this. And this is, this is something where I, I have the freedom to do this. And, and you'll find a slippery slope to where you'll find a pastor fall into just incredible sin. You find it amongst church members too. You find it all throughout the church where there is evil that comes in and God says abstain from every form of it. Every form of it. In verse 23 he says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. It's a prayer. May the God of peace himself sanctify you or set you apart and make you Holy, completely. May God work in my heart and in your heart, in the hearts of us here at Reverence Bible Church as we pray for one another. May he sanctify us. May he set us apart and make us holy completely. May, the whole, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then this, 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 this great picture of, of the power of God, the one in whom we pray to, where he says, he who calls you is faithful who also will do it. This huge view of God that just looks and says, call upon him. May he do this for us. May he create this within us. Within us. He's faithful. He also will do it. I pray that our, that our desire for personal holiness and holiness as a church would far surpass our desire for church growth or, or solid finances or personal finances or freedom from trials or tribulations, that, that our hearts would be in a place of God make us holy. That it would be something that, that is, is one of the first things that we pray for when we pray for our church God, cause our church to be holy. I pray to God that, there, that, that the Holy Spirit is maybe speaking to someone's heart right now that is looking at their life and they're seeing 
sin that is creeping in, sin in which nobody else knows about. It's sin that's creeping in and it's, it's affecting their life. Maybe is it just something that has crept in, but it is something that you are living in and that no one knows about, but it is something that you are immersed in and you don't even know exactly how to get out of it because the sin has become so bad in your life that, that as we pray for you and as we pray together as a church, that God would take it and just remove you from that. Surely there's people here that, that are in a place where there is the opportunity to sin, the opportunity to do something that, that would lead to incredible destruction in your life. And I pray, I pray that God would just keep you from it. It is a regular prayer of mine as I pray for our church is that God would just keep us from sin. I, I think of times in my life where I wanted to sin. I planned out how I could sin. I went forward with how I wanted this to take place, and then God kept me from it. Just so evident where he just said, nope. Created circumstances in which it was just, that's not going to happen. And in me looking back later, going, thank you, God. That was, I mean, the inclination of my heart was to go towards that. What would that have looked like for me? What would the result of that been in my life? And yet you kept me from that. You, you put me in the opposite direction by your grace. You, you did that. Like, like a, a father who takes his, his son and says, no, 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 don't, don't play with that. Come on over here. N- not realizing that playing with that would have just led to incredible pain. And so for us to be able to pray, God, keep us from sin. Keep us from it. I pray that in the forefront of our minds there would be a longing and a desire and a pursuit through complete reliance upon the Lord for personal holiness and a passion for holiness corporately as a church. That it would be something that is our longing, it is our desire, it is our pursuit. That it would be practical holiness, holiness in our attitudes, in our behavior, in our habits, the things that we do that we'd be driven towards holiness, towards that which pleases the Lord. Paul's referring to the church of Rome and Romans in, or the church in Rome in Romans 16 verse 19, where he's talking with this church and he says, "For your obedience has become known to all." A radical statement. Your obedience has become known to everybody. The way that you think, the way that you act, your attitude, your behavior, your habits, your obedience to the Lord, God has become known to all, to everybody. One great Puritan who, who wrote and, and on this particular subject and desired to live for holiness was a man by the name of John Owen. And when you think of the Puritans, I don't know what comes to your mind. I love the Puritans. Puritans are, are those that were just, they were driven towards what would please him most. They didn't call themselves the Puritans. They were called the Puritans by those that opposed them. They were called the Puritans because those that opposed them are looking at those, those guys. Just, all they care about is being pure. All they care about is like, is, is, is the sin, is this okay? You, you look at some of the things that they wrote in, in, in 1656, John Owen wrote a, a, 
book called of, of the Mortification of Sin in Believers. They're based on some sermons that he preached at Oxford. And, and he said this, I hope I may own in sincerity that my heart's desire is unto God and the chief design of my life that they are the mortification, that mortification and universal holiness may be promoted in my own and in the hearts and in the ways of others to the glory of God so that that so the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ may be adorned in all things. Here he's writing this, so he's saying, my chief design, my desire is that, that there would be mortification, meaning dying to sin, dying to it. That there would be this killing of sin that takes place in my life to where it's just my desire, my heart's desire is that, 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 that sin would just be killed inside of me. I hate it. I don't want it in me anymore. I want it to be removed. And so my heart's desire, my chief design in this life is that, that there would be this killing of sin. And this universal holiness, this holiness that will be within me, would be prompted in my own heart and also in the ways of others. My heart's desire is that for my own heart, there would be holiness that would be there. And it would be also in the hearts of those that are around me, those that are within my church, that there would be a passion for holiness. We, we, we live in a time in which I don't know that it's much different than, than other times, but we live in a time where I think we'd have to admit that we, we don't want people telling us what to do. We want to use our freedoms to, to, well, how far can I go? Or what am I able to do? Or, well, this is just who I am. I'm just being who I am. We, we live in a time in which the idea of holiness is, is, is rarely even mentioned. I think the reason why we have incredible sins that are entering into the church where there's, there's people that are, that are cohabitating before marriage, largely within the church, um, issues of just incredible sexual immorality, issues of, of homosexuality that is embraced by the church, pastors who are ordained as homosexuals, and no one will say anything other than that. Um, just a, a complete reversal of, of who men are supposed to be and what godly women are to look like. A view in which the church has come to look largely like the world is that we have failed to see what holiness ought to look like. When, when God says things in his word as far as this is an abomination to me, this is sin, they're doing what is unfit, they're doing whatever they think is right in their own eyes. This is what my law says, this is what pleases me. This is what you are to abstain from. And when the church looks and says, that's just old-fashioned. That's like that. That's like my grandma's world. I mean, yeah, this is a different time. I mean, people thought differently back then. This is, this is different. The, the, the fact is, is that 
we fail to understand what holiness is to look like, what sin is, how we are to live as Christians. And it wasn't that things were necessarily better. I, mean, I, will, I will get that. If I just had some <laughs> chopsticks, I'd be fine. Okay. It is now afraid. The bug has left. Um, but, I, but we may look at the times of 100 years from now, or, or 100 years before, or 200 years before, and look and say, well, they thought so much differently then, and they did this, and they did that, and, and, and things were so But they also allowed slavery to exist. I mean, there was other sins that were there that were just incredibly wicked. And we may look now and say, no, we don't do any of those things. But the sins that we are dealing with are just as severe, if not more. Where the fruit of it is leading to just adultery within the way we view God's word. So John Owen just said, I want to kill sin and I want holiness in my own heart and in the hearts of others to the glory of God. He wrote to a friend in New England and he said this, I I do acknowledge unto you that I have a dry and barren spirit and I do heartily beg your prayers. I... I admit that my spirit is dry and it is barren and I am I'm heartily begging, begging you for your prayers. To have friends around us to be able to go to them and say I am struggling with this sin or I I just feel dry and barren right now. I'm I'm in a place where I'm far from him. I need prayer. I need someone to pray for me. And the reason why is because we just long for holiness. We long to live a life that is glorifying to him, that is pleasing unto him. And so rather than just say, like, I could do this by myself, I'm going to be okay. <laughs> Sorry, I won't do it anymore. He was just in a vulnerable place. Yells <laughs> bum. Beelzebub, Lord of the Flies. We we look though and 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 just see there is to be a, a humility that says I need prayer, I need accountability, I need help to pray like that. All through Scripture, you're going to find a calling for us towards holiness. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 13, and I'll just read this for you. It says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be, be sober. Rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust, as in your ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. And that is, thus saith the Lord your God. He is just calling upon us, Okay, Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. Rest your hope fully upon the grace that is brought to you in Christ. Rest upon him. Don't conform yourselves to the former lusts. Don't act like you used to do. The things that you used to do when you were still ignorant. 
But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, in all of it. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. And I look and I, I, I think, for me, I, I picture being a soccer player when I was younger. And I'm glad that most of you never saw me on the field. Because I, didn't, I, I hate losing. I hate it. I mean, I, like, I, I, will do, I would do whatever it possibly took to, to win a game. I'd, I'd sacrifice whatever it took to get the ball in the back of the net. And, and as a result, there's times like where I would, you know, say stuff to referees or to players or whatever it was. And then I started playing for this Christian team. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh, man, like, we pray beforehand. Like, they're praying that, like, we'd be godly out here. And I'm like, this is soccer. <laughs> this is part of the game. I mean, you just, this, is like, this is what we do, you know? And, and I remember just, like, this transition that took place. Like, oh, yeah, like, I have to... Like, I have to have Christianity enter into soccer, which that was something I kept very separate. I mean, that was just, it was a part of the game. And now as a coach and as a pastor, a lot of you guys have played for me, so you know, like, where I'm at. I, it, it is so hard, because as a player, you get out all your, like, adrenaline out on the field. Even if you want to keep your mouth shut, you just try harder. As a coach, like, you're just like, can't do anything. I just want to yell. I just want to yell so badly, you know? And so the, there's times where I just have to, I, when my guys see me walk to the other side of the track, it means like, if I stay here, I will probably get kicked out of this game. And I know, like, I know I got to stop. I know I have to be quiet. I know, like, I can't say what's coming to mind. And, and there needs to be a desire to, like, don't lose your witness. Because how many times after a game, I'm like, why did I do that? I never should have done it. I should have kept my mouth shut. And yet, there's something inside you where everything in you wants to say something. And you get sneaky about it. Like, I, I feel like I'm getting better at being not holy and not revealing it quite so much by saying things to ref like, come on, ref, like, you're better than that. <laughs> like, how do you get kicked out for that? I just complimented you. You're better than what you just did, you know? And so there's ways that I do it, but I know, like, in my heart... I am just full of anger in the midst of it. And to be at a place of, no, in every area of my life. There's been times where I've had to call referees, like, I am so sorry, I never should. I know you're trying your hardest. <laughs> should never have said that. And I, I hate being in that position to where I have to look and say, like, man, I just blew it, I blew it. But it's the same thing within our homes where, we sin, and we're prone towards it, and we go towards it, and we should keep our mouths shut, but we don't, and we say something. We have to get the last word in, and as a result, it leads to a miserable dinner or a miserable night or kids in tears or a wife in tears or whatever it is, barriers that are set up because of our own pride or our own sin, our, our lack of desire to be holy and to be slow to speak and to be quick to listen and to be patient and to be kind. And what ends up happening is it just leads to destruction that's around us. But sin goes deeper than that. You look and you see people who just start out with just a little bit of pornography. And then it, they find themselves falling into all kinds of sin. People who start out with just a little bit of 
alcohol, a little bit of drugs, and they find themselves in a place where, how did I get here? For us, may God help us to look upon this and say, okay, I've been called to be holy as you are holy. In 2 Corinthians 7, 1, it says, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Cleanse yourself from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Ephesians 5, 15 says, See then that you walk circumspectly or carefully, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Walk carefully. 1 Thessalonians 4, 7. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness, You've been called to this. I started reading in a book by Kevin DeYoung um, called The Hole in Our Holiness. And he gives all of these reasons of why should holiness matter to us? And I'll, I'll look at some of them this morning and, and add some. Why, why should holiness matter to us? What is our motivation for looking at it and saying, okay, I don't want to be a part of this? Well, he begins with, it's our duty. It's, it's, God has called us to be holy. Ecclesiastes twelve thirteen. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is man's all. This is what you are called to do. Fear him and keep his commandments. The next verse. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. We should be desired to be holy, not only because it is our duty, but also because God sees all things. It's so possible for us to live as practical atheists as far as, well, I just will pretend like God doesn't see this area of my life when he sees it in its entirety. But looking and saying, no, like I want to be pure. I want to be holy. I want to please him. I don't want this to creep in my life. I don't want this to be something that engulfs my life. I don't want to ever end like that. I, I don't ever want to be a part of it. I remember being in high school and all my friends were starting to, to drink and to do things like that and take drugs. And I just remember thinking, like, I don't want to ever be a druggie. I don't want to be that. So if I take it, what if I like it? then I'm going to be like that. So by God's grace, I had the wherewithal to be like, well, then I'm not even going to try it. That's just ridiculous. Drinking, I saw the way people acted, and I thought, I don't want to ever be like that. And so I'm over 40 years old, and I've never even been close to being drunk. I've never drank a whole beer. I don't do that. I don't want that in my life. I just don't want it. And so I look, and, and, and there's just this desire God sees everything. Do I want to be like that? No. Looking at our lives and saying, okay, he sees every part of my life. How should we be? How should we act? What should we do? You see, it's also just the right thing to do. Ephesians 6.1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Why? Why, mom? 
Why, Dad? Because it's right. Obey. Why? Because it's right. Why is it right? Because God said that it's right. God said this pleases him. It's for our good. Deuteronomy 12, 28. Observe and obey all these words which I command you, that it may go well with you and your children after you forever when you do what is good and right in the sight of the Lord. Be well with you and your children after you. We see that we ought to be holy because God has given us an example of that. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God and Christ forgave you. Look at the example. He forgave you, therefore you also forgive. Love one another. Why? Because he loved you. We find that in Ephesians 5.1. Therefore be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us. So love like that, Christ has given us the picture of follow me, imitate me. Love like him. We are to be holy in hopeful expectation of Christ's return. We find that in 2 Peter 3, 11. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. That, that I, understanding that Christ is coming back, therefore, you ought to be holy in conduct and godliness. He's coming back. That idea that, that our life is but a vapor, it appears for a little while and vanishes away, be holy. Yesterday here, yesterday morning, I did a funeral. And I received a, a call to, to do a, a funeral for a pastor. Um, Reverend Ty came from Korea. He got saved and had a, a business during the Korean War and after the Korean War of managing. He had nine different bands that he managed to go and, and play for the soldiers there in Korea. And his, his mom was a believer, but yet he was not. An American soldier witnessed to him, and he got saved. And when he got saved, within eight months, he sold his business and, and bought this piece of land that was there by an engine by the airport there in Korea, and he bought it to make an orphanage. And not just an orphanage, but orphan, orphanage for older kids because the older kids, nobody was taking them. And so he built this orphanage and a church right next to it, pastored the church, and there came a point where he wanted more understanding of Scripture. So he moved to Chicago, and shortly after realized there's all of these people who have immigrated from Korea. Let's start a church here in Chicago. Started a church there, started a radio ministry there, Retired and moved down to San Diego. And as a retired pastor, realized that we're not always good at retirement. Right, Pastor Don? Heading off to Peru tomorrow. So he started a church in San Diego. The church in San Diego still exists. The one in Chicago still exists. The radio ministry still exists. The orphanage still exists. The church there in Korea still exists. The orphanage that was there came to a place of being worth 20 to 30 million, the land that it was on. And he just said, like, I bought it. It's in my name, but let's just make a nonprofit because this is all the Lord's. And he looked and you see it. He found out a little over a week ago his wife had a heart attack. Um, and uh, he met with the doctors and family and learned that she was going to have to go on hospice. 
in this last week. He had a he, he had a heart attack or something and and passed away. Family went to look and see what he was doing when he passed away, and he was he was writing out the memorial service for his wife. They told her that he had passed away, and she passed away 12 hours later. So we did the funeral service for both of them here yesterday. And you look at it, and you just think, amazing. Like, what decisions could he have made that would have been so much different than that? And I sat here officiating the service, looking and saying, they finished well. Nearly 60 years of marriage, marriage, serving the Lord, pouring their hearts into it. Kids that love Christ, in-laws that love Christ, five grandchildren that love Christ. And just looking at it and saying, well, life is so short. I was talking with Tasha about it, like, oh, if it could be like this when I pass away, I'll, I'll go two days before you and just get things ready, welcome you in. <laughs> just the sweetness that was there of just watching God's sovereign hand over it all. Realizing our time here is short. Be holy. Christ can come back at any time. Be holy. The world's not our home. Second, or First Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. You're pilgrims. You're just passing through. And then it goes on, I'll just briefly say, we, that we might win others to Christ, that they might see us and see us as different than the world because there's a passion for holiness. We don't have to feed on the stuff of the world because we treasure Christ above all things. That we'd be salt to the earth because we'd see the futility of sin. That Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to your stature? We have a future inheritance. Keep your eyes fixed on that. They joyfully accepted the plundering of their goods, knowing that they have a better and an enduring possession for themselves in heaven. Because you love God. If you love me, keep my commandments. Because you desire to glorify him. Because he is holy, therefore be holy. That your joy might be full. And because Christ has made you holy in him, he's given you his righteousness. When you died, you died with him. When he was buried, you were buried with him. When he rose again, you rose again with him in newness of life. You have a new nature. God has changed you. Therefore, since you're no longer slaves of sin, why put ourselves in bondage to it over again? Be holy, for he is holy. May God help us to remember, to pray for one another that we might be a church that loves Christ. That we don't look and say, well, I don't want to be legalistic or I don't want to be fundamentalist or I don't want this or I don't want that. So I'm just going to just use all my liberty and do what I want. May we look and say, no, I don't want to sin that grace might abound. I want to please him. I want to glorify him. I want to live for him in every area of my life, whether it be sports or in the kitchen or, or in business or when nobody else is around, may we have a passion for holiness for he who called us is holy. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for this time.
We pray for our church here. We pray for one another. God, cause us to desire holiness. Lord, you know every one of us. You know what we're dealing with. Cause us to run from sin, to flee it. Change our affections. Change our heart. Make it so that we long for the the banquet table of the glories of God and we detest the sin that is there within the world. Cause us, Lord, by your grace to live in holiness. May you do that, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.